0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1796 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Normal Volfan. Join alongside Ryan, and we'll be missing Bryce today. He's a little busy, but, you know, we'll get it done. Uh, let's hop right in. I really want to start talking about the blowout performance from the basketball team against Arkansas on the road. What do you think?
1: Well, Jim, I just want to start off by saying it's nice to have you back. We've missed you, buddy. Um, and hopefully on Sunday we'll have the, the full crew back. But talking about the game um, – I kind of felt a big bounce back coming, especially against a team like Arkansas. So it wasn't too surprising to me. And, you know, I saw a lot of worry in the first half on Vol Twitter and elsewhere, but when you score 46 points and a half and only hit two threes like we did in the first half and you're pounding them in the paint, I kind of expected us to stretch it out in the second half. So, And as far as the the, the highlight for for players from the game, you got to give it to Jonas. Adu. do, I mean, another 20 and 10 double, double, which he's done three times this year. And it's, it's good and maddening at the same time that he can be that good when he wants to be, but then he has performances like he did against Texas A&M. So it's just about the consistency at this point with, with him and for, for the team as a whole, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We needed that win. Um, I can't believe we only have seven games left.
1: It flies by, man.
0: Yeah, and I mean we're watching ball baseball as we record this podcast, but dude, it's crazy. I just looked and I'm like, dang, we only got seven games left, which is one of them's tomorrow. And nope. uh, but yeah, man, like you said, Jonas Adu, it's so weird. On uh, you know, sometimes he's the best big man in the country, and there's sometimes where like, I mean, plain and simple, he just doesn't show up, and. Yep. It's, it just can't happen. Um, games like Texas A&M, I, you know, I wasn't here for that po- that podcast. But, you know, you're going to have games where teams that don't normally hit shots are hitting all the shots. And that's where you got to come in. You got to get those veterans and rally up the troops and, you know, turn it around. But, um, but yeah, Jonas eighty, a phenomenal game. Uh, Dog Connect, same thing, 22 points again. Kid's an absolute stud. I want to get your take on Vescovy. I mean, a lot of people say he's not doing too good, but I still think he's playing well. He just isn't scoring like we are used to him scoring. So what, what do you think about him?
1: Well, Vescovy, to me right now, it's just he, – he just seems to lack the, the confidence at, at this point. I mean, there was a lot of times in the past – where he was, you know, the steady Eddie on offense for us and always bailing us out. But, you know, it just – and and when and then there was multiple times against Arkansas where he was wide open and still wasn't able to knock down the shot. But I still think he gives great effort on defense. I think he is important to have on the court. And I the, – the silver lining is that if he's going through his big-time slump now, he might be – on top of it in march so i i'm i'm holding out hope for vescovy at this point
0: oh absolutely I, I agree i think he gives you valuable minutes on the defensive end um but i gotta tip my hat to jordan Ganey. that kid has turned it up and he to me he's just taking vescovy's offense and you know really helping out because you know, that's that's huge. Especially when Vescovy's having trouble shooting and Gainey could pick him up and then like you said, he still plays good on the defensive end. But Gainey man has he started off slow, but he's he's definitely found his groove. And we definitely need that, you know, coming down the stretch. Because realistically with these games we have left, it's really not, you know, we don't have a super gauntlet. Like we could go you know, hopefully win six out of six out of the seven games. would be nice even five, but I don't know. I, I think this team's finding its groove. And I think as long as triple J scores eight points and gets five rebounds, we're 11 and one. So hopefully he continues that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just like the, the last seven games, the, the next three are should, should all be wins. I mean, you play Vanderbilt, Tomorrow, Missouri on the road, and then A and M at home, and what will be a pretty heated matchup of after what Rick Barnes had to say about Buzz Williams acting like a buffoon at mid court trying to call a timeout
0: should have been a technical. So,
1: absolutely, every day of the week, and he let everybody know. And uh, it'll be interesting because Rick Barnes always is, is the classy guy, and it's not very often he just calls out a coach and. I think it'll be interesting to watch the pregame handshake and the postgame handshake, but uh, talking about the game against Arkansas, like you, you, you mentioned it earlier that you're always, especially on the road, teams are going to hit shots against you and you're ranked in the top 10 and you know, they're either on the brink of the tournament or well out like Arkansas is. And it seemed, I, I wrote about it before the Arkansas game, as long as we don't panic, when they have their inevitable hot streak, which they did in, in the first five minutes of the game, we should be fine. And I think the reason we lost that A&M is because we, we did panic. We tried to get it all back at once and dug ourselves a hole. We couldn't get out of. So yeah, just I, chip I, it I, away. Just chip it away. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we just cons- consistently got buckets and ended up turning them over and getting stops against Arkansas. And we weren't able to do that on Saturday at A&M and that,
0: And that's okay.
1: Yeah. That's the difference in those two games. We just panicked, and then against Arkansas, we didn't panic. I mean, simple as that.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we can't even take Vanderbilt lightly. I know they are not good, and I know we're at home, but, you know, we can't take them lightly. They did beat A&M. that beat us. and um, But all we got to do, man, is this team just has to go handle business. They just gotta go handle business, man. It's like some games they just you know the the off like the on switch is off, and <laughs> yeah. it it's just like what's going on, especially during the home games. Like even against South Carolina at home, that shouldn't have happened. And yeah. don't I I I'm not taking anything away from South Carolina, but look what Auburn did to South Carolina.
1: Dude, they got a reality dude, check. They got completely <laughs> blitzkrieged.
0: Yeah, that's a reality check, if you ask me. And, you know, Tennessee needs to look at games like that and say, we should be doing that to everybody. Because they really should. Our offense is good, uh, almost to the point of being great. Our defense has not been the defense from, like, last year, which is okay if you're scoring 85 points. But, you know, we can't be having these defensive performances in the first half of, like certain games that we've had this year, but I don't know, man, but let's get into talking about Vanderbilt. They come to town tomorrow. Um, What's your take on them? They did, like I said before, they did beat uh, Texas A&M at home uh, with nobody in the stands, um, which is pretty cool uh, off a buzzer (laughs) beater, but um, I just don't see them coming into Knoxville winning. So,
1: Yeah. I think a part of the reason that Vanderbilt played well is that, it's kind of hard to play in a damn near empty gym. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean...
0: Kind of like weird. the COVID years.
1: Yeah, it's it's just a weird dynamic. And AM just couldn't... I think it was Vin Allen Lubin who sc- randomly scored 20 points for Vanderbilt, like just out of nowhere. And then you always have Ezra Mignon to worry about and Tyron Lawrence, who are their, far and away their best players. So I think... Ziegler and Mayshack and Viscovy and all of our guards will have a tough matchup like they did in Nashville. I mean, they they made some noise against us in Nashville a few weeks ago, but I don't think they have enough man. Like like you said, especially playing in Knoxville.
0: <clears throat> and oh yeah. Like
1: if if we just dump it down to Adu like we did against Arkansas, I don't think Vanderbilt can has enough big men and enough fouls to go around to be able to guard them. So.
0: Well here's the oh, thing the about thing. that too is like I, I can't remember who the announcer was, but he put it perfectly. There's a reason why Vanderbilt comes out and usually in every first half of the, you know, game for them, they play extremely hard. You know, they keep it semi close, but they get to that second half, they just don't have the death. And that's when teams, you know, turn around and end up beating them by twenty. But A and M, man, ah, I think it was a fluke. I, I think A&M is in for a rude awakening when they come to Knoxville. And, you know, I, well, I, I kind of really hope so, because I, I have a good buddy that's a <laughs> Texas A M fan. But, um, yeah. you know, you can't have those games, man. We could literally, you know, if we could win six out of seven games to go into March, that'd be huge.
1: I I think if you win 6 out of 7 you're getting a one seed because Oh yeah, for sure. Play, you still play Auburn you, at home, you play Alabama on the road, you play South Carolina on the road, you play Kentucky at home. Your your, your last four games are where the conference is either going to be won or lost. Um and those last four games are against good to very good teams. I,
0: tournament I, I think, teams. Yeah. Those so the tournament games.
1: Yeah, basically. And well, I, I I I said this on the last podcast. Since we won the SEC tournament two years ago with Kennedy Chandler, I could care less about that because it always seems that the team who wins the SEC tournament is always out before the Sweet 16. So my theory is play walk-ons. Like just get out of there and rest up because I want a final four. That's the one thing we have not checked off on our basketball accomplishment list with Rick Barnes.
0: Yeah, and we this is the team to do it. This is 100% the team to do it. You got a good big man. You got the best point guard in the SEC on your team. You got Dalton Connect. You got Jordan Ganey coming off the bench, scoring 15-plus, which is amazing. You know, it. you got the def, man. You got the defense. You got the coach. You got the players. You got the fan base. So Absolutely. just go take care of business.
1: And you also have, we've already touched on it, you have Bescovy, who's contributing not much right now. He could go off at... Any moment. So it's, I mean, do you agree with me about the SEC tournament take? Because I really could care less.
0: Yeah. is it nice to win? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not like the end of the world. You lose that. Uh, as long as you go into March healthy, that's what you want right now. And yeah, that, that that's all you could ask for is going into March healthy. Um, I don't even care about the Kentucky game to be honest. Just don't get hurt. That that would be the worst thing ever. Is you have Kentucky at home and you end up getting hurt right before the the tournament.
1: Yeah, and uh, another. I've always thought the regular season title means a lot more than a, a four four or five days right before the big tournament. So I'm, I like I said, I've already made my thoughts clear, but. You know, the, this team has a chance to finish strong. If they win six out of seven or even five out of seven, like we've been talking about, we're going to get a two-seat at minimum.
0: We're so, lucky that we have Auburn at home. That's all and, I'm saying.
1: Their home building is a hellscape.
0: I give it to them. I honestly think that's probably the most intimidating place to play in college basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I don't... <clears throat> they haven't lost at home this year and i think they might have lost once at home last year i mean they they're tennessee and auburn have a pretty identical home record the last 3 or 4 years i mean and most of tennessee's success at home is cuz we've been had good teams i mean it you would have to be a big time homer to think that tba's environment even comes close to what
0: auburn has. Do, and the crowd's got to be raucous that day like None of these sure. people sitting down, you know, doing absolutely nothing. But yeah. you know you
1: gotta have, you gotta have everybody locked in. Even Bo Jackson was locked in. He wasn't even taking pictures. He was yeah, like, no. that, and
0: I, I love seeing that though. I'm not yeah. here for pictures. Let's win this game. Yo, yeah, yo, you know, don't sit down. I See, mean, when you're winning by fifty, I'd take a picture. But like <laughs> South Carolina, you know, I won't take it, I won't put it past them. They came into our building and won. But I I still think they're flukes, bro. I don't know what it is. I think I think they're gonna get, you know, a reality check when it gets to March time.
1: Yeah, I've I've said this to my dad multiple times this year, but South Carolina is winning games this year. Like Rick Barnes, whenever he first had a success at Tennessee, was winning games with defense and minimizing the other team's possessions and. We've seen that that is not very sustainable if the other team gets hot from three or has a good big man or plays just as good as defenses as as your team does. So it's it's a very ugly way of playing. And it it's just not it's just not sustainable. Like like I just said, I mean, I I totally agree that we're probably going to go down to South Carolina and, and beat them there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope the players want to do that because, I mean, they came into your building and took it from you. Yeah. So, it's going to be interesting, but, you know, anything else you want to talk about with the Vandy game? I mean, there's not really much to talk about with them. It should be a 20-point dub, at least.
1: Yeah, it's it's a game that you should dominate, and anything short of a 15-point win will have some some eyebrows raised throughout the fan base, and I think... Rightfully so. So just put them to sleep early, keep them to sleep, and win the game, and move on to Missouri in the, in
0: in the midweek. Give me some Car and Dillion too. I want to see them play.
1: So uh, we also had some big football news this week, Jim. Um Our linebackers coach Brian Jean Mary heading back to Michigan. Um I certainly think that's a bigger loss than uh Um. Uh, Jerry Mack he- heading to the NFL because I think linebackers coaches do a lot more for, for their position group than running backs coaches. I mean, what's what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, you can think about it. You can think about it both ways. You could think about it as a big loss. You could, you know, do that whole thing and, you know, sob your pillow, but Josh Heupel could potentially bring in some, you know, two studs at these uh, coaching positions. And, you know, and he's going to have to, I mean, you got a lot of running back coaches that you could potentially go after. I know there's, you know, a couple targets. I don't know if you've seen them, but Demarco Murray from Oklahoma is one of them. Um, you got Anthony Jones Jr. From TCU, you got Carlos Lachlin from Oregon, you know, you got a good coach in here, you know, that's going to be a big deal. And, um, it's same thing with the linebacker coach. You you have plenty of options to where Tennessee shouldn't be worried. Yes, it's a loss, but there's plenty of options, plenty of really good options that could come Tennessee's way.
1: Yeah. I I don't know if you caught the podcast in the midweek, Jim, but we talked about how uh, a running backs coach, you, you really would just want to get a, a good recruiter. I, I think that's the same deal with the linebackers coach too, but I think you also need – somebody who, who knows what they're doing. So the, I mean, all, all, all those names you mentioned, I mean, I, I would be happy with any of them, but I trust Typhill to make the right decision at the end of the day.
0: Oh yeah. Plenty of options, plenty of options. Um, and like you said, big, we need big time recruiters, especially in the running back spot. I mean, you're coming off a year with some of the best running backs in the country. And, you know, you still got Dylan Sampson, Cam Seldon, Peyton Lewis. You know, you got a bunch of talent. We need more talent coming in. Same thing, linebacker room. We're lucky we got Keenan Peely back uh, coming in the next year. But you got to have those young kids coming in. So we'll see what hypo decides to do, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, like – Again, we we talked about it on the last episode, but the it, it helps a lot that the running back room is pretty damn good. And I think that you can say the same thing about the, the linebacker room as well, especially with Peely returning, like you mentioned, than all those uh, young players that you have coming up the ranks. So I I totally agree that recruiting is the number one priority. So because – I think the players that we have in the program right now will make most linebackers coaches look pretty good. Same thing with the running back coach.
0: Yeah, I'm excited, though, because, you know, you get the right names in there. You'll see a lot of, you know, focus on Tennessee. And, you know, we'll see, man. I, I, I think I think Heupel is really good at picking, you know, the right people in these situations.
1: For sure. Um, Next thing I wanted to talk about, Jim um, the ladies, the Lady Balls suffered another loss, but this one's not as inexplicable as a few of the ones this year has been. I mean, you played a number one South Carolina in Knoxville, and they looked like they were going toe to toe with them. And they were tied going into the fourth quarter, but then South Carolina just kept on turning us over. They held us to with to they held us without a field goal for eight minutes, I think, stretching from the third quarter to about halfway through the fourth. And they just beat us to sleep in the fourth quarter. I mean, it's it's kind of expected, but it's disappointing when, when you had them. You were neck and neck with them for three quarters and then ended up
0: succumbing to their Stupid shots, man. I yeah. knew it. I knew it after the third quarter. I'm like, I'm like, that's it. I'm like South Carolina's gonna turn on the Jets, and that's that. But um, it's I'm at the point where you let Kelly do this whole this whole season. They're still gonna make more. You know, they're gonna still get to the tournament. It looks like, and see what happens there. I don't expect them to win or even get to a Final Four. But or even an elite eight, it, but I expect them to win at least a game or two. And I think Kelly's done. I think I think you. At this point, it's got to be. It's got to be. I think I think you're in yeah. the same boat as me.
1: Yeah, I I think the Lady Vols need a hard reset, um, and I I really want it to be outside of the the Pat Summit tree. Because we've tried that twice now, we hired Holly Warlick, right, uh, who was an assistant with Pat for for years and years. Then we hired a former player. Um, I, I think it's time for a new approach in that program because it is fully capable of being uh, among the women's basketball elite. And we we we've discussed it all year throughout the Lady Vol season. Like it, it's just fallen so far, and. I I really think that some some fresh blood and Tennessee women's basketball can go out and get anybody. I mean, pro- probably ninety five percent of the coaches in the country.
0: Yeah, minus South Carolina, LSU, and UConn. I mean, you could you could get pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. But I remember a cut co- like way long ago when we first started talking about this. Who is the person you said you you had an idea of who you wanted?
1: Um, I th- I might have said, um, uh, Kara Lawson, but then that's sticking with another former Pat Summit player. Um, I mean, there's so many options. Code Orange, well, la- la- the last time he made an appearance on the podcast, uh, I think it was two episodes ago. Mentioned uh, Grand Canyon's coach. She's a she's an up and comer. Uh, Oklahoma State's coach. She's also an up and comer. But I think we can get Molly go. Miller, that's her name. Yeah. I, I think that we can go to about any... Like like you said, I- anybody, say, for LSU, UConn, and, and South Carolina, we can go get anybody. Do safe. you
0: know Molly so, Miller's all-time record as a coach?
1: It's probably damn good.
0: She is 241
1: and 44. See, that? I mean, yes. Sign me up right now.
0: And she's very... You know, good-looking. Yeah. Cut orange but, but Cut. I mean, dude, she is someone that could come into Tennessee and attract young talent because, yeah. and even in the transfer portal, her team's doing good, man. They're doing real good. And that's somebody that you could go to. Danny White could go to M- Molly Miller right now and say, hey, here's this amount of money from coach at Tennessee. And she would not say no.
1: Surely not. I mean, Code Orange mentioned that what, what the the Lady Vols uh, portion of the fan base has with Tony Vitello, the men could have with with Molly Miller.
0: (laughs) That's a fact. That's, that's honestly the smartest thing he's ever said.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, if they're beautiful and a bad coach, I wouldn't want them, but if we had Molly Miller and Tony Vitello, we
0: would. not Bro, a winning percentage of .846 is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but if we had both of them, the 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 beauty rating among our coaches would skyrocket.
0: <laughs> oh, her her apparel would go through the roof.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the The main point is, I I do think the Lady Balls are kind of lost in the wilderness and. Uh, and it's not right the thing. talent.
0: We got the talent, but yeah. it's like this, it's like our team gets lazy at some points.
1: Yeah, I mean Rakia Jackson is gonna be a top ten pick in the WNBA draft.
0: She is that hooper.
1: She's she's great. And like um, most of these other players on the team are very experienced. And and one thing about the game against South Carolina, Jules Spear did did not do well at all. She she didn't shoot very well. And and I, I think if she was on that 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 game would have came down to the wire, and it, it hurt us a lot that she wasn't. But uh, yeah, the the talents there, the experiences there on on the Lady Vols, and they're just not getting it done when they when when they really need to.
0: Exactly, but hey, we got baseball to look forward to. Um, you know, basketball, you know, March is just right around the corner, so. Lady Vols, hopefully they could turn around. We'll come March.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's the hope. But speaking of baseball, you want to let's get into some baseball talk, huh? Um,
0: hey, I'm all for it. I mean, our lineup is absolutely disgusting,
1: dude. And just just disregarding the lineup, Tennessee, as long as Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson are in place, they're always going to have dynamite pitching. I mean, Addison oh Ruffles, his, his his sinker right now looks like he. He should be playing in 10 Ks, bro.
0: 10 Ks yeah. in the fifth inning.
1: Yeah, he's gotten 12 outs, and 10 of them are strikeouts. I mean, I there's a reason
0: why Drew's not pitching right now, and it's not because Drew doesn't have the talent to, it's just apparently AJ Russell is just that guy,
1: mm-hmm. and he's only a sophomore. I mean he he's gotten that no, much he, you
0: if he has the see, you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of Dolander from two years ago, not last year, but the year before that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean the the improvement that these pitchers make under uh coach Anderson is ridiculous year to year. And I'm sure Drew Beam will look great tomorrow. And I'm excited to watch Xander Secrets maybe locked down one of those weekend starting roles. I mean, because he, he's very experienced, he's a senior, and it also helps that he's a left-hander. I mean, ha- having a, a southpaw just, just randomly in our rotation in SEC play is going to help us a lot.
0: <coughs> Absolutely, and SEC play is no joke. You see Vanderbilt almost lost today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that, that, that was a, a slugfest.
0: Well, they should have lost, but FAU just choked right at the end. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in in your home field, I mean, to come out and win the bottom of the ninth, I mean, winning's winning in baseball. If you can yeah. sneak a win in, I mean, that's like us in, at, at Clemson last year. We oh, were down to our yeah. last strike, and Denton just destroys the ball. Yeah, and,
1: and um, I, I, I really hope Zane Denton gets through whatever he's going through in his personal life and gets back with the team as soon as possible because he is a big piece. But the number one priority is, of course, whatever he has going on.
0: So is that what it is? Is it like a personal yeah. issue?
1: Yeah, he, he's he's away from the team at the moment. He said in August that he was going to come back for uh, another, another year at Tennessee, but he's away from the team at the moment. And, you know, like I said, number one priority is whatever he has going on in his personal life. But baseball-wise he was our leading run producer last year and adding him to the lineup we have now, when you add Billy Amick transfer, Cannon Peebles transfer and all these young guys who we don't even know their names yet, who are probably going to contribute a ton. Our lineup gets scary quickly.
0: Oh yeah. One through nine. I mean, you're wondering who's going to hit the home run. I mean, Cannon Peebles hits a, you know, lead off single, Billy Amick comes in, hits a home run and you know, Those guys are, you know, just the tip of the iceberg for the Vols. I mean, Hunter Ensley, SEMO. SEMO hit a rope up the middle in the first inning. Yeah, and and... then he
1: hit one to the wall that was inexplicably caught. It kind of pissed me off, but, you know.
0: (laughs) And who do we play tomorrow? We play Oklahoma, don't
1: we? Yes, we got Oklahoma tomorrow. And then we got a uh, Baylor to round out this little little college baseball showdown down in Arlington. It'd be nice
0: coming out of here three zero. These are really good teams here.
1: Yeah, I mean Texas Tech. I, I wrote about it. Is their people are saying that they're going to compete for the Big Twelve, which is always a solid, solid baseball conference. Oklahoma's returning like almost all of their position players. Baylor is probably the worst team we're going to play this weekend, but it still looks a lot better than a. Win a over, beating,
0: the, yeah, FAU yeah. by one.
1: Yeah, it looks a lot better than a win over a directional school. So,
0: but anyways, what else did you want to talk about today? I know you had a couple more things you wanted to get into.
1: Yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the injunction from earlier this week. Um, based on everything I've been reading, the NCAA cannot even interpret their own rules in court. Um, they were fumbling around when, when the judge pressed them on what exactly the rules are. And all sides point to Tennessee is probably going to win this injunction and all these NIL rules will cease to matter. So, and I've also read that even if we don't win this, the NCAA is likely not to pursue anything further in the, the court system. And if they were to pursue the, a uh, notice of allegations Tennessee would take it right back to court. So I, I think Tennessee's in a, a great spot as far as where we stand right now.
0: Yeah. And that's always good to hear, you know, it, I don't think it's going to go anywhere because like you said, they're fumbling at the, with their files in court. They're, they're nervous. They're, you know, we got the Tennessee flag outside the courthouse. They're, they're sweating. Um, not only that, but there's other teams that are that are not going to take the NCAA's bullshit. Sure. And, you know, and Tennessee just just happens to be the first team to do that. But if they go after anyone, they're going to be doing the same thing. And the NCAA can't afford it.
1: No, I mean, I don't, like, the NCAA, I, I said it to you when this thing first dropped a couple weeks ago. They never went in court. They, I mean, all this just seems like they're grasping at straws for any type of power that they, whatever little power that they have left, they're desperately trying to cling to it. And 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 another thing, I, I was glad to see that we didn't have a full-on tailgate session outside of the courthouse. I'm, I'm glad that the flag was the most elaborate piece of of uh, protesting <laughs> that we did.
0: Yeah, uh, no walk.
1: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> that would have been insane. A ball walk outside. It would have happened
0: area. though if they if they didn't say anything on Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad smarter people than me and a lot of the fan base said that is not necessary and it probably hurt our chances. So it, it saved us from from some embarrassment.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Tennessee's always the you know, circle, in the circle of fire in the media. So um, everyone hates us for some reason. But it's always good to be that guy because usually that means you're doing something right.
1: That's a great point. I mean, nobody's going to want to take down somebody who's not a threat to them. So, Dude,
0: know. Cannon Peebles reminds me of Drew Gilbert
1: that would be a huge development.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I mean, he's up at, at the plate right now. He just looks like he's like, I'm going to destroy this ball. Yeah. Every at bat. Yeah. Now Drew Gilbert. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think – I mean, last year in baseball, we were 5-10 and 10 halfway through conference play, and we were still able to make the College World Series. Um, so, uh, it's – It is definitely a long haul. You're not going to win or lose Omaha in the next three games. You're not going to win or lose it even halfway through conference play like we showed last year. So people just need to buckle up, take everything with a grain of salt until we get, you know, middle of May, you know, nearing the end of conference play to make any drastic conclusions about what this team is going to be or where they will end up.
0: I think as long as they have a, you know, the normal great bullpen we have, I mean, if our third starter could come in and, you know, light it up, I mean, how does this team not get to Omaha? I mean, the lineup is insanely scary. AJ Russell's throwing like he's Roger Clemens. Um, (laughs) Drew Beam is Drew Beam. As long as he could be the guy that he was last year, I mean... That's another walking dub, pretty much. Yeah. And is you get that third guy in that rotation that could step up. I mean, you better watch out for the balls.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if Sechrist isn't able to hold on to that third spot in, in the weekend uh, rotation, we have plenty of other candidates. So it, it it's all going to shake itself out. But I think Russell and Beam are definitely stalwarts in the the weekend rotation. But it's like you said, the the bullpen is always going to be great. And, you know, the the hitting – I mean, people forget that our hitting last year was very streaky. And we relied heavily on our pitching last year. Heavily.
0: Yeah, I don't see that happening this year.
1: I I really don't either. I, I don't see how you add Amick Peebles. I mean, and all these other pieces that we've added. And
0: you still got Blake Burke and CMO, yeah. and yeah.
1: And especially if we get Zane Denton back before the end of the year. I mean, I and my, my sleeper for the year, I've uh, known about this kid for a while, uh, Kavar's tears. Oh, he I sm- love him. Dude, he smokes the ball whenever he makes contact. And yeah, I you think- give
0: him a couple games because right now, like even today, like you could see he's on the ball. It's just – just give him a couple games.
1: Yeah, I, and he's – this is will be his third year in the program. And, I mean, he just jumps off the screen whenever you turn on his uh, highlights. And, I do yeah. want
0: to say, by the way, flow baseball, you suck. Are you having I- issues with the streaming? Thir- no, $30 a month, and you can't even give me uh, how hard the pitcher's throwing and what the pitch count is.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm canceling this bullshit as soon as we're we're done. Well, I already playing.
0: did. <laughs> I did. I got it and and canceled it so I could you know just watch these three baseball games.
1: <laughs> the most random streaming service you've ever heard of, and you got two top twenty five teams playing in, in on in, in the opening game of the year. You know, but
0: AJ Russell is still throwing darts right now.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, I always think that the the high strikeout pitcher is kind of uh, a, a risky, yeah, it, I mean, he, he he's dealing, man. But it, it's always a risky proposition because the, the pitch counts get so high. And if you get to the fifth inning, you, you're probably doing good if you're a high strikeout pitcher. So my next step for Russell, the thing that I would like to see is, you know, those 10 or less pitch innings where he gets some soft contact or pop flies and stuff like that. And if he can do that and pair that with the the strikeout ability he's shown so far tonight, he will be a force to be reckoned with.
0: Absolutely, like I said, he's he's Chase Dolander reincarnated. Yeah, because that was that was those worst issue was he, he'd get eight strikeouts, but he'd be at like sixty pitches in the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. I mean, it,
1: it was also uh, Chase Burns. Issue. He, he would he would uh, tire himself out by the fifth or sixth inning. He pitches and,
0: tomorrow for Wake Forest.
1: Yeah, I, 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 that'll be an interesting story to follow. If he can hold down a starter spot there, get moved to the bullpen like he was with us. I mean, I mean it's the same issue. Like I said, you if you're a high strikeout guy and you throw that hard, you you, you can't keep up that adrenaline for for the whole game. So. That's why he was perfect out of the pen, and that's why I think he made a bad decision. But, you know, you just gotta wish him luck and appreciate the times that he did have with us.
0: Whoa, Florida lost today. Uh oh, <laughs> Florida lost to St. John's nine to five.
1: Yeah, baseball is a funny sport. <laughs> I
0: mean, that's insane.
1: But yeah, the at the home team, too. The the. The Vols look good. They look prime for another run at a College World Series, and I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. And I, I've said this a few times on this podcast, but when you factor in the postseason success that Vitello has had the last three years, I think he's the best coach on campus currently.
0: Absolutely, and the hottest coach. Oh.
1: <laughs> I that is not the best until
0: Molly Miller gets here. Please. Bring her home. <laughs> Come on, Danny boy. That's what we want. That's what the it's what the people want. Please. But anyways. You got, you got
1: anything else you want to go over, man?
0: Nah, I'm kind of distracted watching this game. Um, But no, uh, hopefully we can watch the basketball team do well tomorrow. Same thing with the baseball team. Hopefully they could continue the hot streak. But other than that, I mean, there's not much going on with the Vols.
1: Yeah, uh, let's let's go ahead and get back to watching this game, man. And the the go balls tonight will serve two purposes because we're watching the balls right now. So go balls,
0: go balls, baby.